City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. City, it's your man Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets, and you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Emergency podcast, the Charlotte Hornets have a new head coach. Kenny Atkinson has been revealed as the new head coach of the Hornets. I'm joined by Tim from Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast, half the crew. Tim. Thanks for joining me. What are your thoughts on hire? So my immediate thoughts right now are, this was not Jordan's guy, but I actually think that's a good thing for the franchise. This is Jordan willing to listen to outside help for the first time since he's really taken ownership. And uh, Kenny Atkinson, maybe not my number one pick, but I'm very intrigued. He's obviously had a great track record in Brooklyn and another, you know, you look at his work in Golden State this year, Jordan Poole was such a beloved guy. And Kenny Atkinson is a development coach. What are your thoughts, James? Yeah, I've talked before. I think coaching, especially guys who are assistant coaches, it's really hard to like peg what is attributed to them and what's not. But I think he's a perfectly sensible hire. You know, Mitch Kupchak talked about leaning towards someone with head coaching experience. Kenny Atkinson does have that. He also has a, you know, a back history of player development, which people are probably going to roll their eyes out now. Like, all of a sudden, randomly, people don't want to get their players developed. Like, oh, God, not another player development guy. Wouldn't you hate it if young players improved? Um, <laughs> be- because Borrego was like that. But uh, interesting, like in Sham's tweet about when he kind of broke the news, he talked about a coach with a player development background and a defensive structure, which was kind of very similar to what Borrego was announced to be. But I think you look at... Uh, Atkinson's time with the last two years with the Clippers and with the Warriors, those are two elite defensive teams. And uh, I think the experience he can bring from those two organizations, which have done it very differently, will be invaluable for the Hornets. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, um, you know, because again, Borrego was pitched as that, but Atkinson got fired because he wanted to pay, play a younger player, Jared Allen, over DeAndre Jordan when he was with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And also Atkinson, even with his time with the Clippers, uh, with Zubach, was famous for employing the drop coverage, which I think could have an impact on our draft. Because, you know, as you talked about in the press conference with Mitch, um, you know, so we're looking at big men, you know, the 13th, 15th pick. I think that this kind of says a lot about who we might take with those picks, maybe a Duran or a Mark Williams. I, I think the Jarrett Allen link is a great point, and it's not one that I put together in this in this flurry of emergency podcast. I, I should mention we're recording this with probably about twelve Five minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. So if if something comes out like after you're like, why didn't they talk about that? That's because genuinely we are really reacting on this on the fly. But that Jarrett Allen link's a great one, and I think someone who Mark Williams has really been Mark Williams has really been likened to as well. And also just breaking news one minute ago. Uh, former Hornets associate head coach Jay Trano has joined the Sacramento Kings to go be the he- assistant coach Mike Brown. So good, good for Jay Trano. Um, least he's landed on his feet again and got another another coaching gig for next year. So that that also says that Kenny's bringing on pretty much a staff of his own. We would assume 
Well, exactly, because before the rest of the Hornets assistant staff were, were hanging around in Charlotte, they were helping out before the draft. Um, some still might be retained. This is obviously Jay Charney moving on. Uh, I'd really like to see Jay Hernandez retained. I, I don't, I think it's probably pretty unlikely because just the way things go in the NBA here, it's pretty rare assistant coaches get retained. I think the only one I remember surviving multiple coaching hires in Charlotte is Steven Silas when he was with the organization. And, <laughs> and his dad is like, you know, friends with Jordan and he grew up around the team. So um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting. I actually went back and looked at like all the ties for Kenny Atkinson's assistants. And a lot of them are still working in Brooklyn at the moment. Um, not many of them left when he left, which is quite strange. So I'd be curious to see who he brings in. Um, he's got links to kind of the Budenholzer coaching tree, both the, um, uh, sorry, not Budenholzer coaching tree. He's got links to the D'Antoni coaching tree, which is where he was uh, kind of first working as a scout with the Knicks. Um, he got time with, with Brooklyn, obviously. And before that, um, he was with the Atlanta Hawks as well, uh, where he was actually coaching with, with Darvin Ham. So it'll be interesting to see who he tries to bring in here as assistant coaches in the next couple of months and I don't expect we'll get an update on that anytime really soon uh, but it'll probably trickle out over the summer yeah but I think this is a uh, you know if you're you're looking at Kenny Atkinson this is going to be his statement job where like you know he was hired in uh, Brooklyn it's kind of like just deal with all the mess we have we're we're not going to have picks for the next couple of years so like make something out of nothing and this is kind of going to be his point where like okay we have like a solidified roster what are you going to make of this? You know, like, I think this will be a big, cause you know, like, you know, a lot of coaches get the one job and then they get out. The second job is really like, if you do a good job here, you can be a coach for the next 15 years. If he flames out here, this is kind of it. Then he's a career assistant coach going forward. And, and lazy people will point to the winning percentage in Brooklyn, but like you have to understand the context around this Brooklyn team. So we're talking about teams that had nothing. Like, no, like, up to until Durant and Irving got there. But before that, they had absolutely nothing. Um, they No draft picks. They were picked up. Spencer Dinwiddie off waivers. Joe Harris had got, like, waived by the Cavs. Hey, and Damari Carroll, like, almost an all-star for, yeah. like, you know, his one season there. Great wings. Absolutely. So he got, he got a lot out of the young guys. And that's one thing I do like about this because – for a team like Charlotte, in their situation, they're never going to be a free agency destination. And Mitch Kupchak has said it before, that the draft and player development is the lifeblood of the organization. And this really feels like they're trying to continue that going forward, um, which, which I like because I just think it's the right approach when, when you're in Charlotte's situation of team building. I think you look at the teams in the finals right now, and I heard both you and Mark talking about this the other day, the Celtics and the Warriors a lot of drafted players who they've gone there and developed over time. Um, and that's what I'd love to see the Hornets develop into as well. Um, it was, it was interesting. I went and watched, this was a couple about a week or two ago. Now I went and watched Kenny Atkinson's introductory press conference uh, with the Nets just to get like a feel for him. And um you know, he, he certainly was an engaging character. He got quite emotional during the time. I mean, he was from Brooklyn. So like that was very much coaching his hometown team there. Um, but you could really feel like the passion for the role. Um, I think fans are going to take to him. I, he, he comes across, I think, uh, pretty stern, actually, which is one thing I think they were really looking for because some of the reading between the lines, I think Borrego maybe didn't quite have control over the players and, um, he is a more experienced coach. 
Um, and yeah, he's not someone I want to piss off just from my uh, brief kind of watching him <laughs> and seeing him interact with people. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say a big, a big thing that, uh, you know, when I first heard of Kenny Atkinson, I was like, okay. Uh, I thought about even Miles Bridges, where I think he's far ahead of where this guy was, but like, who's a guy that we still hear about three years after that? Karis LeVert. People are still trying to talk themselves into, man, Karis LeVert was really good for the Nets. And, you know, like, you know, 2019 and Miles Bridges, like a supercharged version of that. Kenny Atkinson, a very ISO heavy coach, a different, uh, different type of coach than like Borrego, not, you know, like, you know, passes closer to like bottom five in the league, but like was able to trust his guys and let them play make in a way that LaMelo almost complained about a little bit with Borrego side hands. Um, and like, you know, the, uh, the SN, SN nation, I think interview, I think LaMelo said something about that. But yeah, very, very interested to see what offense he's going to cater towards our young players. Yeah, and this is one thing worth considering now is if you're LaMelo Ball right now, everyone around him is probably saying, oh, you want Mike D'Antoni because look what he did with Steve Nash. Look what he did uh, with James Harden. He'll be the coach for you. And do you think the people around LaMelo right now will be disappointed with this hire? Um, and, and should he be uh, for him individually? Well, I think this is one of those things where you can look for, do you want the two-year success or do you want four years from now? People look at like, man, LaMelo has already made an Eastern Conference Finals and two semis. And I think that D'Antoni would be great for juicing his stats and, you know, bumping up the numbers. But I think that Atkinson has a little more potential to grow the guys around LaMelo. And also, you know, the offensive structure that we've seen with Golden State is almost the complete opposite of something that we saw with Brooklyn in like 2019, very free-flowing, open-minded. You know, coaches grow in the same way that players grow. So I think if LaMelo and his people trust him, they will have success. And the best thing that LaMelo can do is win 52 games two years from now. And then there, there won't really be any worry about LaMelo. He's already almost like a no-brainer max contract, you know, after his rookie deal. So, I mean, as long as they're winning games, I think the stats don't matter, I would hope. Do you think Mike D'Antoni ever gets another job in the NBA as a head coach after missing out on this opportunity? Ah, I wonder about that, especially because, you know, they came kind of from the same coaching tree. It'd almost be like if I stabbed you in the back and like moved on to something else, I'm sure that would be like an awkward interview process to kind of walk back to walk past D'Antoni. Um, I think if D'Antoni wants to get a head coaching job next year, I think he can. But I would also assume that D'Antoni is not going to want to work for peanuts. You know, I would assume that like D'Antoni could have got the Indiana Pacers job last year, you know, could have gone to Portland. I think he's kind of looking for the right spot and he seems kind of content to be the offensive coordinator, essentially, for some teams over the next three years, especially at his advanced age. What do you think? I think it's going to be a real challenge now. I mean, if there was any job that was built for him, it was this job, right? A, a franchise that is crying out for a proven experienced coach um a a lead ball handler who you know really is could be the reincarnation of a of a steve nash type player um you've got old school kind of gm and owner who have been around for the d'antoni years they're not this kind of like new 
like uh, this new breed like of Josh Harris. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, everything was kind of lined up for him, right? I know there's still rumors about him taking over from Doc Rivers and Philly if he were to move on there, and and that would obviously be him reuniting with Daryl Morey, who hired him in Houston. Um, but I I do wonder if this could be it for D'Antoni. If after this he goes, you know what? I'm 72, 73. Like I, I had my opportunity. I, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do it now. So yeah, I, I, I like the idea with one thing I did like about Antonio that a lot of people ruled out is like, Oh, it's his age. But like how often do NBA coaches these days stay for like five plus years anyway? I mean, there's, I think at one point wasn't Borrego like the third or fourth longest tenured coach in the NBA. And he'd been here like three or four years. Like, yeah, so. they, they talk about Dan Tony's lifespan. Like he's Derek Jones dunk contest chances. Like, you know, it's, it's clearly, yeah. It's like he could coach seven more years. If you, if you were Jordan, you were Cupcheck, let's say you, you had the last say, would you go with Atkinson or would you go with Dan Tony? Oh, firstly, I, I don't feel strongly either way is what I'll say. Um, I would leaned. I would have leaned Antoni because he's the safe option. I think that's what it is. Like, I, the you know, Atkinson had one head coaching job, and he was great while he had like the kind of undermanned. Uh, we'll do. We'll make. You know, we'll do what we can with limited resource. But as soon as he had Kyrie and Durant, they essentially wanted him out, which I just think is that's a that's an amber flag to me. Like, as soon as all star level caliber players come in they just had obviously had a sense that he is not a championship caliber coach. And let's remember that I, that was like three years ago, essentially now. Okay. Um, so he will definitely have developed from that, probably learned from that situation, but let's also not forget like Kyrie is an odd character. That's to say the least. And <laughs> Durant is also quite a opinionated individual um, and I, I don't know how that Steve Nash hire is looking right now. I, I mean, a lot of Nets fans really liked Kenny Atkinson. And I, I remember Kev, Kevin Durant signing for the Nets and Kevin Durant being like, I was watching the plays that Kenny Atkinson was uh, drawing up out of timeouts and they blew my mind. That's when he signed there. And everyone was like, oh my God, Kevin Durant signed abruptly <laughs> because of Kenny Atkinson. And like, yeah, six months later, he was out. I would, I would say a, a, like this is where I always defend Kenny Atkinson. It's like, well, Kevin Durant left playing in Golden State to play with Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving pretty much, you know, they threw him under the bus because they didn't want Jared Allen to play. They wanted DeAndre Jordan. So I think that Atkinson kind of got the short end of the stick on that. And as far as, you know, you're talking about like, you know, player empowerment. Um, I think Kupchak made a great point in his press conference where he's like, listen, you know, if LaMelo and Miles are four-time All-Stars, I'm going to hear him out, but he's mm -hmm. like, right now I'm going to go, like I'm listening to myself and as skeptical as I was when Cupcheck came into the picture, I mean, really outside of the Gordon Hayward contract, I feel as though he's pretty much nailed every transaction. So I think he gets the benefit of the doubt going forward. I think, well, I, I still don't quite, never quite got the Vernon Carey, Nick Richards double draft. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. the, and giving Vernon Carey the four-year guaranteed contract. Yes. Yeah. So that was, it was kind of a disaster of an off season. Yeah. You're, that's a good point. It was. Um, I'm just looking at this Nets roster. I, and I remember this from when he was, did his introductory press conference, Kenny Atkinson, and he thanked uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Trevion Graham, 
and Ed Davis for being there at the press conference to support him. That's a, ble- that's a bleak, that's a bleak group of guys to thank. They're thanking him because they're like, we might, we need to stick in the NBA. So we're doing anything we can to catch on to this team. Man, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. That's a name I've not heard in ages. He even got an abbreviation. He got the RHJ, RHJ. And people were like, wow, he's the next three and D wing to come. Hmm. And that was like 20, 20 games into Atkinson. And like, you know, he had a couple threes. Obviously that's a big variance. But I would say I would look at, you know, Atkinson's, especially his first year where he really turned, um, I'm just going to say it, uh, you know, shit into chicken salad, I would say, where they had a very analytically friendly staff where they bombed a ton of threes. They forced a lot of mid-rangers big into the drop coverage. So, I mean, that I think that there's a lot of things to get excited about with Atkinson. There might be some drawbacks, and I think this is going to be a job where we'll see, like, how flexible is he? Like, is he willing to run PJ at the five for 20 minutes a game? Like, you know, is he committed to the drop coverage? Is he going to be a heavy ISO guy with this team that has this layout? But I, I would say I think it, any Hornet fan should be, should be happy with this hire. It could have been much worse. And that's classic Hornets thing to say. It could have been Mark Jackson. It could have been Mike oh. Dunlap 2.0. You know, <laughs> we, we've been in some dark places. And I think Kenny Atkinson is pretty universally respected in the NBA coaching world. He's coached in a lot of places. Um, you know, he is a, a tested and proven NBA coach. There is, there is no question about that. Uh, but like we said at the start of this pod, this is one that the Hornets just have to get right. Because if they get this wrong, you're talking about the Melibor probably wanting to try and maybe look out. I, I just, I always feel like Lamelo is looking for an excuse to, to go somewhere else. <laughs> or maybe not Lamelo himself, I should say. His camp, I think, you know, will be looking at bigger and better things and for any reason to, to cut uh, ties with the Hornets. So it's really important we get this right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy we finally got a head coach ahead of the draft. I think that's great. He's obviously not going to be able to do much now because he's still coaching in the NBA finals. Um, so I expect very little input probably in his like him and a draft workouts or in the, in the draft itself, by the time he finishes, like he all seem like needs a break as well. The guy's just freaking coached whatever, a hundred and something games. And he's now <laughs> going to be moving across the country with his family to coach in Charlotte. Like I, I know he'll probably want, he's a workaholic, so he will want to get straight to it. But I wouldn't blame him for being like, hey, MJ, before I start, can I have like two days off just like with my family? Like, I, I would not blame him for wanting to do that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't expect Kenny to be in Charlotte with a press conference anytime soon. I almost think they'll kind of pair together that introductory press conference and their pre-draft press conference that they do every year. Mm-hmm. Might pair those together, which that essentially gives uh, Kenny Atkinson just about 10 days or so from now. Uh, to finish off coaching and get over to Charlotte. All I know is I would I would pay money to see, you know, Kenny Atkinson, who's been working with, you know, presumed like Jonathan Kaminga all season. And then he gets in a closed gym with Miles Bridges. And, and he's like, whoa, dude, power forwards? You guys can actually dribble? <laughs> he's like, my God, this guy is skilled. He's going to think that he's working with Giannis Antetokounmpo after working with Kaminga all season. But well, yeah, I think, I think you're right about the output. I mean, here's, here's an interesting one. If Andre Iguodala retires, assistant coach in Charlotte. Ooh, that's spicy. 
It's pretty spicy. Oh, yeah. We got we got the Dell Curry connection to bring him in as well. You know, yeah. they've been they've been playing for a long time. I'm sure they're friends. I would love that. It I'm yeah, I guess the most interesting thing going forward is what is that bench gonna look like? Because that's been Steve Kerr's greatest trait, I would say, as a head coach, as much as like he swapped the system from Jackson and everything, but like man, he hired Alvin Gentry, Luke Walton, uh, a couple other guys, Atkinson as well. Like Mike you know, Brown, he's, he's not with the Kings. Yeah, my, yeah, Mike Brown. Like he's had multiple, like you know, former and current head coaches under his belt. Like I think the best thing you can do in any situation, you have guys around you that know more than you do, and you know if you're comfortable with your staff having a little more experience than you do, like. If he has the pool to bring in some other, like, you know, former, like, you know, we talked about Jay Toronto. That's kind of a big loss, I think. Um, you know, former Suns, you know, interim head coach. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who Atkinson pulls along. And I think that'll tell us a lot about, you know, what, what system they're going to try to run, what, what they're envisioning. Tim, before we, before we finish up here, did the Hornets get this right? Um, I'm going to say they did as much as I grew up on Mike D'Antoni, those seven seconds or less, uh, Suns teams and Steve Nash is my favorite player of all time, favorite team. But yeah, I think that this was the right move. And again, the biggest thing I think that is important here is that Michael Jordan did not go with his first instinct and he actually listened to someone for the first time. So at the very least that shows growth. And the most important thing a team can have is an owner that's willing to spend and willing to listen. So I would say, yes. What about yourself? I think I think so. I think so. I mean, in my coach rankings, I think I had done Tony one, Ham two, and Atkinson three. Um, oh, they're my top three of kind of the seven or eight guys who are rumored. Um, but I, I always said uh, I like all these three guys. One one thing I think is interesting is Atkinson had an interview with the Athletic the other day, where he essentially said like he loves working with the Warriors. He loves living in LA. He's got like a great life. He's, he's really happy and content in his current situation. And he would only leave that for the right situation. And he picked Charlotte to be that right situation. And I don't know if this job had come up at any other point in the last 15 years, if Kenny Atkinson leaves the Warriors, where he would have been associate head coach with Mike Brown leaving. And he would have left that to then go join the Charlotte Bobcats teams of past or the Charlotte Hornets of teams past. This is the best coaching job the Charlotte Hornets franchise have had in in since I've been following the team. Ever. So, yeah, with the with the young players, young core there, um, a stable GM in place, just had a contract extension, and Atkinson picked them. I think as much as they picked Atkinson, and I think that's an exciting thing. I do think that's exciting. One thing that I do, you know, when you're talking about, you know, like going forward, I wonder if if Quinn Snyder stayed with the jazz for one more year, if that threw off the choice, because now Quinn's like, I think Kenny Atkinson a year from now would have been like, you know, the best like former coach on the market. But now I think Quinn Snyder is the guy where like, if something goes wrong in Milwaukee, if something like if LA just once again, but like now I think that Quinn Snyder is the experienced coach that has like the, he's going to get the number one pick of whatever he wants. And I feel like before that Atkinson was right there, but if, if Snyder did not step down, if that makes any sense, I know I'm rambling a little bit. It does. And I think if, if, if like if Quinn Snyder wanted to coach 
if he wanted to be a candidate for the Hornets, they probably would have listened to him. I think it's pretty clear that I think if Quinn called right now, they'd be like, hey, we have to redact this (laughs) this press conference real quick. Uh, what what do you make of Shams breaking the noise? You, uh, the news. Do you think it's? Do you think Kenny Atkinson leaked to Shams? It's normally Wodge is normally a little bit more clued in with the Hornets. I, I wasn't expecting it to come from Shams. I was pretty surprised by that because Shams has been, you know, especially during this finals, he's been very plugged in. Whereas Wodge has been talking about, you know, this prospect, this assistant coach, isn't that? So like, I just as soon as I heard the news, I went to Wodge to like double check, and I was like, where where is it? I scrolled down for like, I was like, how did I miss this? Um, I think that is very interesting because like trying to pick apart where this news breaks from is kind of my second favorite part of like the NBA because everyone has sources. Yeah. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Cause Shams has been kind of, he's been off with the Hornets for the last couple of years. So I wonder if that's, you know, a change in office or just how that came. Maybe he just had the right guy at the right time. Well, thank you, Tim, for joining me for this episode of The Stinger to talk about this. Thank you, Shams, for breaking this. Literally, just <laughs> after my girlfriend and her family had all gone to bed who were visiting for the weekend. Oh. And I, I literally said to my girlfriend earlier, I said, I really hope that the Hornets coaching news breaks at about 10.30 this evening after, <laughs> after we're done entertaining and everything. I literally sat down, I checked my phone and the news broke and I was like, whoop. There we go. So thank you, Shams, for, for doing that at a great timing. Absolutely. Right. Well, James, thank you so much for having me, man. Have a great time. Yeah, and we will have more reaction and analysis to this hire on sihornets.com. Uh, I'm sure there'll be many more podcasts about it. I know, Tim, you're going to do a podcast with Mark in the coming days as well, where we might have a few more details that come out of it and we can kind of take a little bit more time, sit back and sift through this again. So... Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.